Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. We give you praise and glory. Amen. As we're staying, we go to the word of the Lord. Genesis, the 12th chapter. Genesis 12, familiar part, passage, portion of the word. Where the Lord says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord God had spoken unto him. Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Abram took Sarah's wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and all the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And to the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sichem, unto the plain of Morah. The Canaanite then was then in the land. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. Verse 9, And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight from this title, Advancing with Altars. Advancing with Altars. Turn to a few people, shake their hands as you're seated this evening. man by the name of Michael Carney was homeschooled uh, by his mother and his father. Uh, he was diagnosed with ADHD, but his parents decided not to uh, give him the prescription. Uh, and Michael spoke his first words at four months old. And at the age of six months old, he said to his pediatrician, I have a left ear infection. Six months old, he said that. And he learned to read at the age of 10 months. And when Michael was four, he was given a, uh, a test, um, a, a, a math program, a math test. Uh, and he didn't even study for the test. How can you? You're four years old. Uh, and so uh, they gave him this test, and he got a perfect score. Uh, he then attended uh, St. Marin High School in California for one year, and he graduated at the age of six. It only took him a year to go through that. Uh, at the age of eight, he enrolled in the University of South Alabama, where in 1994 he got a bachelor's degree at the age of 10 years old. He still holds the record 
for the youngest university graduate, and he became a teacher at university at the age of 16. Gives you a lot of hope, doesn't it? Stories like that kind of just makes you just want to give up and go and, and, and do something else with your life. What else, what can you do? I mean, uh, to lift our morale and to give us hope, Michael is currently uh, an improv comedian. After all that, he's now a comedian, found his calling, I guess. Uh, so there is hope for all of us. We're still, we can still do something with our life. Uh, as we know, in schooling and academics, uh, tests are given to determine if we, can, if we can recall the information that was supposed to be given to us and if we've learned that, that was presented to us. And if we pass that test, we show them that we can recall that information. And tests are given at different stages of our advancement and development, and so in order to to know if we can, uh, if we are able to, to pass this grade, I guess, and move on to the next grade. And uh, having these uh, indicators are helpful to determine whether we are on the right track, if we are moving in the right direction, and how far we have come, and how much more we need to continue on in uh, our education. Uh, and so... But the same can be said about the kingdom of God, that we are all at different levels with our walk with God, and hopefully we're all moving in the same direction, moving forward. Even though we may be at different walks and different levels, dimensions with, with God, hopefully we are still moving in the same direction that is moving forward and not moving backwards or not being stationary. Uh, and so whatever season, whatever level, whatever stage that we are at in our walk with God right now, there is and was a beginning to that level, and hopefully there is an ending to that level where God will advance us and we will graduate this, this season of life and this time of testing or whatever period that we are in, there should be an end to that, and therefore, when God closes that door uh, of that part of our life, he would open up a new door to a new realm, a new walk uh, in our life. And so Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And so um, it doesn't matter where we are with God and where our walk is. Um, as I said, as long as we're moving forward and we don't want to be in the same season that we were uh, five years ago or last year or two years ago or however long the season is determined to be, uh, we should not want to stay in any particular one season for an, or, or, or overstay our stay there because uh, we want to continue following after the Spirit and the leading of God's uh, Spirit in our life. And I believe that God is calling us to, to progress, to, to graduate, to, to move to a deeper level, a deeper realm, a, a, a more closer walk with Him. And we should not want to stay where we are at. No matter how good it is, we have to believe that God has something greater for us uh, up ahead and, and moving forward. And so uh, whatever season it is, that's great that we're there, but 
we should not get comfortable for very long because God wants to move us through this season and into the next season. We can easily say that about a, a, a hard time. Nobody wants to stay in the hard season of life or hardships or wilderness or whatever, uh, the downtimes, the valleys uh, of life. Of course, we want to get out of there and we would hopefully we're making every effort to get through that with the help of the Lord. Uh, but we probably tend to slow down a little bit when things are going well. Why would we want this season to come to an end? And let's just kind of maybe drag our feet a little bit through this good times because uh, we don't know what lies in store and we know things are good right now. And so let's let this uh, continue and drag out as long as we can. But uh, we, ha- we don't know what is next, but God may take us even to a higher level or dimension of blessing than we're at currently right now. But if we're satisfied with where we're at, then God cannot do anything else in our lives because we are content in the season that we're in. But as we need to understand that whatever season that we're in, it should only be temporary. It should not be permanent, that we should continue moving forward and passing uh, through these seasons of life onto the next place that God has for us. And we were examining Abraham's life. Uh, to follow him through this season of his life. And we see that, um, uh, we see Abram building altars um, in these moments of his life. And so, uh, in the kingdom of God, we're not going to advance any more, any higher, uh, without building an altar of God, unto God. You have to build an altar in the kingdom of God if you want to advance, if you want to progress. There has to be an altar. They are our stairs, our ladders, our elevators, if you will, to get to where God wants us to go. And it has to be with an altar of sacrifice, whatever God is calling for during that phase. And so without any altars, we're not really going anywhere in God. We're staying in the same place. We're walking and wandering in circles like the children of Israel did for those some 38, 40 years, wandering and going nowhere, just walking over the same steps that they took years before. Why? Because uh, they were not willing to go where God wanted them to go. And so, therefore, uh, the door was closed because of their own uh, unfaithfulness and fear. And so, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just wander in a wilderness for any extended period, any longer than I have to, as long as uh, it's just a passing through. That's all God wanted the wilderness for, was to get out of Egypt and go to the promised land. That's what wilderness are designed for, is just a passing through. But uh, the children of Israel found a way to live and die in this place that was only meant to be temporary. But uh, the quickest way to get us out or get us back on track is to build an altar unto the Lord, which requires a sacrifice of our time, energy, effort, and substance. And so an altar is a physical landmark. Obviously, it was built with stones, uncut stones that were stacked upon one another, and a sacrifice was placed on top of it. And we know we don't do physical uh 
altars nowadays, uh, but we still uh, are commanded and are offering sacrifices to God. First Peter 2 and 5 says, Ye are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so we are, we have become the sacrifice. We have become the altar, as Peter says, lively stones, and we are building up an altar of sacrifice uh, unto the Lord each and every day. Uh, there's no limit uh, to these uh, sacrifices and these altars. We can build as much as we want, but uh, or as little as we want, but we are never going to progress without building a, an altar unto the Lord. Altars can teach us much about our worship today as they did back then. Uh, these physical altars were uh, built and sacrificing, sacrificing uh, happened upon them to the Lord. And so, uh, and this was an act of worship, uh, obedience, uh, sacrifice. And obviously it was limited to those, that physical structure uh, but it is more than that today since we don't do that and since we have become those stones. Uh, worship is more than just coming in here, raising up our hands during some songs and singing unto God. But worship is now meant to be a lifestyle. We are to worship God in all that we do and everything that we do, our lifestyle, our very life, we are a lively stone. We are a living sacrifice, and our life, our very life, should be as worship unto God. And so we know that worship is the means by which we get into the presence of God, but it also is uh, the way that we welcome God into our life. Uh, if we're worshiping God, it's a, an, an invitation to Him to come into our life, and it's an invitation to come into His presence. And so we want God into our life, uh, or at least we should want him into our life as much as possible, into our, our, our single life, our, our family life, our church life, and uh, our home life. Uh, we want God in every aspect of our very being. And Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And so a living sacrifice means that it is never ending. It is always alive. It is always offering sacrifices unto God. It means that our worship and our praise extends beyond Sunday at 11 a.m. While we're worshiping together in a, in a, as a congregation, uh, our, our bodies as a living sacrifice means the worship and sacrifice still should be happening on Monday, on Tuesday and Wednesday and every day after that. As long as we are alive, we should be offering up worship and praise unto God. It means that we are always worshiping God, always trying to create an atmosphere that God is welcome into at any point, at any time in our life, day or night. God is welcome into our life because we are constantly creating an, a, a, a place for God to dwell and as a living sacrifice. Imagine if we come in here 
And as much as we enjoy this worship uh, service, as we call it, the, the 15 or 30 minutes a week that we worship God, imagine if that was the only time that we become alive and allow God to speak into our lives and allow us to enter into God's presence. We would be selling ourselves short if that is the only time that we worship God throughout the week. I want to be a living sacrifice, alive today and worshiping God, and alive tomorrow, and I still plan on worshiping God because that's who I am. That's who we are. We are a living sacrifice. We are lively stones offering up spiritual sacrifices continually uh, all the day and all the night long. And so Hebrews 13 and 5, it says, By him, therefore, let us... Offer the spirit, the sacrifices of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And so continually our lives should be offering praises to God uh, throughout the day, no matter what it is. And that even means in the bad times. That doesn't mean that we die and we cannot offer God praise and worship. It's even in the midst of the storm, can we still, we can still lift up a hand and say, oh, I thank you, God, even though it's hard, I'm still giving you thanks. I'm still praising you. Why? Because that's who we are. We are a living sacrifice. We are lively stones. And my worship, my life, my attitude, my devotion, all of that really determines how far we can go in God. If we sell God short, if we only give 50% and uh, we're not uh, doing our very best in all that we do, uh, our effort, our life, our, our, our lifestyle of worship really ultimately affects how far we can go. Uh, sometimes we think that we can get away with it, uh, with uh, being lazy or slack or unfaithful or whatever, uh, we're not fooling anybody. That's just putting a hindrance on how far we can go in God because uh, we're not offering the, the sacrifices that we should. And so we will advance no farther than our worship will allow us to go. We will not get any further than what our life is selling, what our life is showing off to God. We can't advance any further than what our, our life is speaking. And so if I want to do this for God, or if I desire to be more, used more in the kingdom of God, and my worship and my life does not reflect that level, I cannot get to that far. My, my, I have to be a reflection of how far I want to go or, or what, God, what I want God to do in my life. It has to be uh, shown through my worship and my lifestyle and my dedication. And so if we haven't built that altar yet, um, uh, maybe that's the next thing and that's the first step uh, we need to do in our life is to build an altar and to get ourselves aligned with God and what his plan and his purpose is for us. Uh, and that never happens without an altar of sacrifice. And so if we don't know where to go, if we don't know what's next, or if we feel like we're just wandering or lost, 
the thing that we need to do is we need to get down on our knees and we need to build an altar and say, God, forgive me for, for going astray or remind me, God, show me what you have for me. And that doesn't happen without an altar. And so we all have a need for an altar in our life. We never get too old to not have to have an altar. And so looking through Abraham's life, we see that he started, really started building altars when he was 75 years old. That's when he started uh, walking out by faith, uh, following after God. And he, we see in, in, in Scripture where he is building these altars. And so um, in, in our tech, part of our text, we see Genesis 12, 6 and 7. Abram passed through the land that was uh, unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And so Abraham received a call or a promise or a blessing here. Uh, uh, he, he called, the call was to leave his home and to go to a place that God was going to show him. And obviously this took faith to step out, to leave everything behind, leave the known world, and to go into a, a place he had never been before. Uh, and so that took faith on Abraham's part. And so you have to have some kind of faith in order to see the promises of God come to pass in your life. You can't get, through the, can't get there without faith, and, and you're not going to see it come to pass without any kind of altars being built in your life. And so we need both of those. We need faith and we need altars and sacrifices in order to see God's will being fulfilled in our life. And so uh, we, we have to understand that without uh, uh, a sacrifice or any effort on our end, we cannot expect to receive uh, something from God. The, the, the stuff that we've received from God is, is salvation. That's a free gift. But we have to, again, build an altar to get that. We have to repent of our sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost in and, and, and order to uh, enter through that door and partake of that. And so we need to have altars in our life. And so the first altar that Abram built was when he heard about these promises and of, of receiving this land. Uh, and obviously Abram had the faith and he had uh, a desire to follow after the call of God uh, in his life. And so the first altar that Abram built, uh, we can call it an altar of desire, uh, saying, God, yes, I want to do this. And yes, that sounds good. And I want to I want to follow after you, and I, I like the sound of that, God, and so I want to do that. And so Abram built this altar uh, to reconfirm his, his faith and his belief in God. And so the altar of desire is every, an altar that everybody builds. We all have them, uh, and we've probably built many of them in our life. We desire to do lots of things. We, we get a great idea in our, in our mind and we have a new desire. I'm going to go and do this or at least start this and then maybe I'll get around to finishing it. But we have lots of desires, lots of beginnings or, or, or where we want to begin. Uh, there are altars of desire all over the kingdom of God. God, I, 
I want to do this for you as we, we cry that out and we say that at, a, as an altar, at an altar. We're crying out to God and, God, I want to do this for you. And uh, we're sacrificing and we're pleading with God. And, God, I want to go here. God, let me do this. Or, God, use me. And uh, during the church services, when the Spirit of God is moving on our hearts, we, we build in these altars of desire and we're open and we're honest uh, and we, we speak from the heart. We express our desire to be used and to, to grow and to strengthen our walk with God. And it's here that we build this altar of desire. God, I'm going to do this for you this week. Or God, I'm going to pray more this week. Or God, I'm going to fast a little bit longer this week. Or God, I'm going to increase in my time and reading uh, your word, or I'll do more studying. God, I'm going to do this. God, I'm going to do that. And God, I want to do this. And all these altars we build out of a sincere moment with God, and all these desires and commitments are being made because we're declaring our faith and where we want to go in God, and we want to see these promises come to pass. And these altars of desire are great, but they are the first altar in our walk with God, and uh, Abraham expressed his desire to follow after God, and he stepped out in faith, and he built his altar. But when Abram built this altar, his first one to God, uh, the Bible tells us that the Canaanite was still in the land, meaning that this land was still unchartered. He he still had not walked through this land. He'd, he 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 probably knew how big it was. Uh, but he had uh, hadn't walked through it yet, and the Canaanites were there. Abram was still young in the faith; he was still new to all this, had some learning to do. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is just because we build an altar of desire, or uh, at an altar we're crying out, telling God what we want to do for Him. Just because we've done that does not mean things are going to happen automatically. And I think that we kind of hope they do. I think we, we get to the point where we just think we can just cry out to God, these are my intentions, I'm laying them out, this is what I want to do. And um, we're hoping that it comes to pass somehow. And, uh, and uh, that's sometimes how we live, hoping they happen just on their own, but we've got to understand that we are on this journey and we've just begun it with God because we're just building this desire saying we want to follow him. But after we declare our intentions, there's still lots of work that needs to be done. In fact, that's really just declaring things is, is the easiest part of it all. Uh, and so we have to, uh, what happens when we announce our intentions and desires for God, what happens then is the enemy hears about them or uh, the world, the things of this world, or even our own pride and our own carnality and our own flesh knows these things, these spiritual goals that we have made. And our flesh will definitely speak up and says, ah, I don't like that. I don't like the sound of that fasting more this week. Uh, I'm going to object to that. And our, our flesh begins to war against our spirit. And 
um, our, our carnal nature wars against our, our desires and, and, and the enemy of our soul will fight against us to prevent us from fulfilling our desires in God and keep us from reaching the destination and, uh, because they don't want to see those changes made in our lives. Uh, our flesh does not want to get up any earlier and start praying at wee hours in the morning. Our, 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 our life, our carnal life does not want us to uh, interrupt this easygoing life that we've already made for ourselves. Any new declarations to God meaning means something's going to have to give. Something's going to have to change if we want to see more of God. And so everything comes against us to try to stop us from starting on this new path that we have declared to God. And so Abraham, Abram was uh, from the city uh, of the Ur of Chaldees, a, a big metropolis. And this was uh, a big city of the day uh, like uh, Miami or New York or Chicago. I mean, this place was, this place was what, where it was at. And so that's where he grew up. Uh, he had everything there, big buildings, markets, people, society, all kinds of things always happening. And this is where he grew up for 75 years. Uh, and now he's out in the middle of nowhere, and now he's building a an altar of desire and saying, God, I want to follow you. Uh, help me to continue to follow you. And uh, stating he's going to live out here and not live in the city. But not, not long after he builds this altar, there comes a drawing, a voice from the city to come back to the city. Back to a world that is comfortable where... You don't have to live by faith, that you, uh, you live by the inventions and wisdom of man, live by the supermarkets. You don't have to believe God to supply your needs because you go down to the grocery store and you get your needs met down there. And so uh, after Abram builds this altar, we see him going down to Egypt, fleeing down to uh, a metropolis, uh, the city life. Nothing ever good happens in Egypt. And he is drawn back to his old ways, if you will. He's lying about his wife. Uh, he's almost loses his wife. Uh, he picks up Hagar, the bondwoman, uh, who eventually gives him Ishmael, uh, the, the fleshly fix to God's promises. All of this happened after he declared his intentions, God, I'm going to live for you and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to do your will. And not long after, we find him in Egypt in a place he should not be uh, because he's not leaning on his faith and not trusting in God in a place uh, like that. Uh, can anyone else uh, relate with Abram here at this moment where you've declared, say, God, I want to do this, and then all of a sudden, Hell, hell week shows up in your life, and you're like, what's going on? Why, 
I, I, I want to do this. On Sunday, everything was fine, and all of a sudden, I, I made a commitment to God, and now all of a sudden, all these things happen in my life. I'll tell you what it is. It's the enemy trying to prevent you from going down that road that God is trying to lead you down. But we've got to continue to fight through that and say, no, I'm not going to give in to my old ways, my old self, my old habits. I need to follow through on my commitments to God and stay away from the land of Egypt where nothing good happens. And so that's what happens after we build this first altar of desire. We, uh, the struggle really begins to keep us from going any further in God. And uh, you said you wanted to get up, get up earlier and pray a little bit more. Now all of a sudden you're... you're uh, extremely tired in the mornings, and you just can't get up now. It's like a, um, a, a, a sleep tornado just hits you and knocks you out. Now, you never used to be this tired in the morning, except you set your alarm clock earlier, and now all of a sudden, you, you're, now you're running late to work. Because you decided, you declared, I want to get up earlier and pray a few more minutes. And now all of a sudden, something's happening, and, just, and it's just uh, not working out. More distractions happen in your life to keep you away from, from the will of God. And uh, you said you wanted to do more things for God. And all of a sudden now these things are popping up, stealing more of your time away uh, from being able to spend time with God. And that is why that is why there are tons and tons of altars of desires because we all have them. And we all want to do great things for God, but if we are not prepared for the struggle that happens after we make those declarations, uh, if we're not prepared to stay away from Egypt and to fight off our old nature and our old ways, if we're not willing to uh, fight, then we can find ourselves getting tangled up in Egypt. Far from the promises of God, far from the land of Canaan where God says, hey, this is the place I'm giving you, not Egypt. You don't need to go down there. I'll provide everything for you. And so the altar of desire gets put on the shelf, and we that's just something, well, maybe we'll get around to it. That's, I want to do that one day. Uh, and so that's when the second altar comes into play. Abram leaves Egypt, and he heads back to Canaan, back to where uh, he should be. Um, and um, we see that when it, once he gets back in Genesis 13, and he went on, his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai unto the place of the altar which he made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And so here we see Abram back to the, back to the beginning because he had just spent all this time wandering through Egypt and now He's getting back on track. And the second altar that we have to build is the altar of devotion. It is, and it is built exactly where the first altar was built. Because uh, we have a desire, but if we don't back that desire up with devotion, then we have nothing. So the second altar is devotion. 
it tells ourselves, it tells God, and it tells the enemy that we're not going back to Egypt. We're staying here. This is where we're called. This is where God wants me, and this is what God has for my life. But now I have to get serious about it, get back to the beginning where I first played, uh, called out to God, and I got to build this other altar and say, God, I'm serious about it this time. And, and, and so... Uh, that is where things really start to change once we build this altar of devotion and we actually get serious about our first altar of the, the desire that we have. And uh, things really don't change until after the second altar is built, after we actually commit ourselves to the cause and uh, to what we've declared we want to do. Uh, and so hundreds and if not thousands of first altars are built, but there are less second altars that are built. Because that's where the hard work really is of really devoting yourself and really making a commitment and following through on that. Lots of first altars, but fewer second altars. And so uh, not everyone is willing to fight the fight. At the altar of devotion, those who refuse to build this second altar inevitably will just kind of wander through life. Wandering through, living in your current realm, this season that in your end is probably going to be extended far beyond where it should. Lots of altars of desire, but very few altars of devotion. And so we need to build more altars of devotion where we are serious about what we want to do for God and where we are where we get convicted in our beliefs and our commitments to God and where we actually make it an effort to follow through on what uh, we had made and what God has for life and so after we build this altar of dedication and devotion do we start to see the process really start uh, to change in our life every everyone hopes that it's after the first altar that the, the magic happens. But the magic really doesn't happen until after the second altar where we actually back up what we're saying, what we uh, said we're going to do. Uh, and so if we build the second altar and we start working at it every day and uh, beginning to devote ourselves to the calling, that's when we really begin to see God start doing things in our life because that's when we are now becoming uh, faithful to the God who is faithful. We talk about God's faithfulness, but how much do we talk about our faithfulness to a faithful God? That's a powerful language, is faithfulness. Uh, and that's all God wants from us, is to be a good and faithful servant. And so that happens once we're committed at the second altar, the altar of devotion. And so uh, that's when uh, Abram starts uh, to uh, really see things take place in his life. Uh, musicians, if you would come. And then in Genesis 13 and 17, after he gets back, he calls back on God and gets things straightened out. Does the Lord say, Arise, walk through the land and the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. And Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and he built there an altar unto the Lord. He's always uh, looking to build another altar. And this altar, the third altar, is really 
I guess, the altar of possession where you start to possess your calling and possess uh, what God has for you. He had been given the promise uh, that this land would be his, but then the Lord uh, called him to actually go, uh, go out and start walking around and, and go exploring uh, the place of this, uh, the promise, to measure out the dimensions of God's promise. It's, it's one thing to have a promise, but it's another thing to actually possess the promise, to actually hold it in your hands, to actually taste it in your mouth, to actually feel it in your life. And the only way you get to possess the promise is you have to keep on building more altars, the altar of devotion, and then you start uh, possessing it and experience what God has for your life. The, the altar of possession is built when you start having this momentum in God and you really start moving in God and growing in and God starts speaking to you and giving you revelation and showing you things and taking you places you've never been before. Things really start to take off and begin after that second altar is built and after we start becoming more serious about our calling and what God is doing. If you want more and more uh, of things of God in your life, you need to build more altars. You need to get more serious. You need to devote more time and energy and effort to the kingdom of God. And the more that we're willing to give, the more that God is willing to give back to us. And so um, the growth and development that God is doing us is evident in your life. You're, you're, you're seeing things. You're hearing things. And God's showing you things that you, you've never really experienced before. And that's because you're actually finally got around to becoming serious uh, about the call in your life. And you found your purpose and where you're supposed to be, where Abram was supposed to be, that's where he is. And now he's walking around and exploring all of God's blessing in his life. And so once Abram began to occupy the land and develop it, he still had to fight to keep it. Uh, just because we start possessing our calling and, and possessing the promises of God in our life does not mean there's not going to be any more battles. The devil's still going to come after you. Our flesh is still going to be there when we wake up in the morning. doesn't matter how long or how many altars we have built in the kingdom of God. We still have to wake up and crucify our flesh and, and combat our flesh and overcome the flesh because that is one enemy that's always going to be there. And so building altars and keeping our flesh uh, crucified is the way that we advance in the kingdom of God. Uh, and so um, just because Abram started to possess the land does not mean everything was over. Uh, in the growth and development phase in our life, we start to see fruit and blessing, spiritual fruit and blessings in our life that are tied back to that very first altar. God, I want to do this for you. And we start to see the fruit after we start possessing our calling and, and start um, getting serious about God's commitment in our life. And so after we build those altars, we still need to make sure that we are still willing to fight for what God wants us to do. And that will get us to the last altar that we need as you stand with me tonight. And the last altar is the hardest one to build because this is the altar of dedication. 
where you dedicate to God all that he's given to you, all that he's done for you. We have to be willing to say, God, I give it all back to you. I give it all. I thank you for these many blessings. My life is blessed. But we have to get to the point where we can say, God, if you want it all back, I'll give it all back to you. Because you first gave it to me. The promises that he's given, the blessings that he's poured out, the work that we've done, the, uh, the person that he's developed in you. We have to be willing to put it all back on the altar if he asks for it. Or, or, or if it gets in the way from, from us progressing in God, if God uh, blesses us with a, a, a job or an opportunity and we thank God for it, and it is an actual, and it's a blessing from God, but if that blessing ends up getting in the way of you growing in God, maybe God will want to see are you willing to, to give that back up? Are you willing to put that on the altar? And that's what he asked Abraham to do in Genesis 22 and 9. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abram built there an altar. And he laid the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. This altar is the toughest because we may think that we're going backwards given all this up. Isaac is the promised son, and here we see Abram ready to kill Isaac because God asked him to. But we're not giving, we're not going backwards. We still have to trust in God and what he wants to do because uh, I, I believe Abraham knew enough that if he had to kill Isaac, he knew and he trusted God enough and he knew that God would give him another son or that God would resurrect Isaac and bring him back to life because right. of all the altars that Abraham built in his life, if you build a lot of altars with God, you, be, you, you have that relationship that you know God. You know he's going to be there. You know he is faithful. You know he will back up his word. You know that he will supply your needs. And so even if the very blessing that he's blessed us with, even if God wants us to give that job up we're at that point in our life and our walk with God that we know that if we do it and if we follow through with it uh, God will give us another job that's that's how we are uh, that's where Abraham was with God the end of this season means that God has another season that God wants us to go through and uh, after these blessings, we know that God has many more blessings, but we've got to get through this part of our life, and this part is going to end with an altar, and the next season is going to begin with an altar. We cannot advance in the kingdom of God without building altars as Abraham did in his life. I want to be an altar builder. I want to be a living sacrifice. I want to be that lively stone that no matter where it is, wherever God is calling us, we are prepared to give of what God needs of us because uh, uh, we cannot advance in the kingdom of God without any altars in our life. And so we've got to finish this season wherever we're at in God. Good, bad, valley, mountaintop. It, it doesn't matter where we are as long as we are purposed to say, God, I want to go through this. 
I don't want to be here any longer than I want, uh, than you want me to, good or bad. I want to continue on growing in you and go to the next part, the next level, the deeper walk with you. And so there are people who have been in the same season for far too long. And that only happens because there's missing altars. We need to go back and find the last altar we built and probably need to rededicate ourselves and uh, ask for repentance and get realigned with God and what he wants us to do. Uh, and so uh, as blessed as we are as a people, that doesn't mean uh, financially it goes far beyond that. But as blessed as we are as a people, we know that God has more for us. And that only place is, is forward. We have to continue moving forward. And so uh, I want to enter into a new season in this year, 2020. I don't want to be, uh, at the end of this year, I don't want to be the same place as I was at the end of 2019. But I want to be so much further along, further down the road, experiencing new things in God and hearing new revelations from God and experiencing deeper callings of God. And that only comes by us building an altar. Any, are there any more altar builders here tonight that we want to continue on as we begin to worship, as we begin to sing unto the Lord? Why don't we just close our eyes and raise our hands and ask us and ask God, God, help us to lead us, God, to where you want us to be. Help us to build those altars.